Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Body Justice. I started this podcast because I believe that all bodies are good bodies. All bodies are deserving, worthy, and all bodies are whole, just as they are. In today's world, it's ever hard to embody this as our truth. My mission is to create a space to process body image, eating disorders, and relationships through a justice-oriented lens. I'm a licensed therapist in California and an eating disorder survivor myself. I know what it's like to be at war with myself and also to find peace again. Thank you for being here and I look forward to being your host. to Body Justice. Today we are on episode 37 and I am so excited for this conversation that I had with Sid Friedman from the Fed Up Collective. If you haven't heard of the Fed Up Collective, this is a collective dedicated to trans and intersex folks fighting eating disorders. This is such an important topic um, because eating disorders impact folks in the trans community 15 times more than cisgender folks. But treatment and treatment centers tends to come from this cisnormative approach um, and often are not safe spaces for trans or gender nonconforming people. Um, And that's because treatment isn't tailored to be gender affirming in a lot of settings, you know, from everything from the research um, that's done that to make evidence-based practices in the eating disorder world, um, the interventions that are used, how treatment centers are set up. There's so much to unpack here, and we're going to get into just some of the barriers today and then ways to provide more gender-affirming care. We're also going to touch on you know, the difference between when a client is experiencing body dysmorphia and gender dysphoria and how the two can look similar but actually have different roots and require different approaches in terms of care. Um, So I'm really stoked for you all to hear this, Um, you know, with all the anti-trans legislation happening right now, which is completely horrific and breaks my heart. Um, This episode couldn't be more timely. Um, Also, I will link in the show notes, you know, how to hear more about FedUp, their website, as well as ways you can um, get involved in activism for the anti-trans legislation going on in various states Um, Because it's one thing for us to all raise awareness, but we also need to be taking action um, to support folks in the trans and gender non-conforming community. Um, Remember that their liberation is our liberation. Like None of us are free until all of us are free. So really important to take that action step. Um, So if you want to learn more about that, please go into the show notes. And without further ado, let's have Sid introduce themselves. Sid, can you tell listeners a little bit about you, how you identify, and just a little bit about Fed Up? Yeah, of course. Fed Up is a collective of amazing human beings. Um, we are all around the world. Um, now, I feel like now many people know that we like work all around the world. Yeah, it's I didn't know that. In the US. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not just North America either. Um, oh. Yeah, it's really awesome. Um, and uh, 
What we do, we're a collective of trans, intersex, gender diverse people. We um, are a mix of people who work in the social work field. And then we have other people who are like me, just clients. Um, and we, I read this incredible. So on our website, we have an open letter and our open letter is just like after summer 2020, um, when everyone, every place you saw was coming out with comments to support Black Lives Matter, which is extremely important. It felt like it was for a lot of places, it was a one and done thing and that they weren't really looking into it. Yeah. And, and so from a minority stance, we have to fight and say like, no, if you're gonna say this, then you have to mean it. And you ha we have to see, we have to see changes. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like a lot of the work that we do is to push for that change. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I even said that like, it's trans intersex folks with, with eating disorders mm -hmm. and disorder eating. Um, my name is Sid, I use they, them pronouns. Um, I am white, uh, transgender, non-binary, all of the above, gender queer. Um, I also identify as neurodiverse and um, I am an artist and a creator and a filmmaker, farmer. I don't know, I just can go on and on, but I feel like we should keep going. Yeah, no, that was a great introduction. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing. I wanted to pull apart my, my identity as a white person and mm -hmm. that uh, dominant um, identity that I hold, mm -hmm. as well as my transness and what we'll be talking about in this episode. And also say that I, I work with folks who are in a, intersex and Fed Up is a collective for intersex folks, but I do not hold that identity. So I cannot speak on that experience, but yeah. I do encourage you to uh, reach out to intersex folks and hear about their experience because it is very amazing and unique and uh, deserves a platform as well. I totally agree, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Just for listeners who may not have the knowledge, can we define trans and intersex and um, yeah, how they are different and what they are so that listeners can have that awareness? For me, uh, transgender feels like a an umbrella term uh, to mean people who don't identify with the gender that they were assigned to at birth. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important that we differentiate between gender and sexuality because how you identify as a human doesn't mean it's exactly like translates into the people who you're attracted to. Mm -hmm. um, for folks who are intersex, it means that they were born with different traits um, and reproductive anatomy. Mm -hmm. um, it can be a wide variety of differences. Um, and among that could be differences in genitalia and chromosomes, um, different inner sex organs, hormone production, hormone responses, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, that's such a, it's a big question, right? Because like, yeah, you're right. It's such an umbrella term and it's such a spectrum. Um, and I know many people who identify as non-binary, but not as trans. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and it's fluid, it's changing. It changes throughout our lifespan and maybe not for everyone, but for some people. And yeah, I like that you highlighted that it is an umbrella term. And people use different ways to identify themselves, right? Like like you said, some people are non-binary, some people use transgender. There's so many different and you said like gender fuck. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like to use that with my like other like trans friends. So we're just like gender flux or gender fucked or mm -hmm. like the gender queer. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so being that fed up is a collective focused on the intersection of trans and intersex folks and eating disorders. Can you talk a little bit about like why that is? Are there certain disparities that um, trans and intersex folks face in terms of eating disorders? Yeah, so I get a lot of amazing information from like my personal therapist. Yeah. They are incredible and I want to cite them because um, they wrote a an article in the um, Columbia for Columbia in uh, New York City, and um, so I'm going to be citing them a lot in my like knowledge of like why this is important and facts mixed with my personal opinion and um, history. Sure. Uh, their name is Sula Molina. Their pronouns are they them. Um, they said. Uh, transgender populations are disproportionately impacted by eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors. Transgender clients lack access to affirming and culturally responsive mental health care and are frequently un undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. In addition, co controversial treatment models for eating disorders do not attend to the unique causes and manifestations of eating disorders among, among transgender people which include minority stress, gender trauma, gender dysphoria, and lack of access to safe gender affirming treatment, safety concerns, and the need for passing. Mm -hmm. What I had initially jumped to was this term minority stress. I, I hope that more people are starting to understand how discrimination affects human beings yeah and how it impacts our stress and it creates trauma mm -hmm. and um we, we live each day like with a weight on our shoulders i think first when it comes to transgender people and intersex people um seeking care or help for an eating disorder disordered eating from the very start speaking up for themselves mm -hmm. we see that many people get looked over and we have a more critical focus on other aspects of their life yeah and that that's something that i have dealt with personally is trying to speak up and show that there are disparities mm -hmm. say in my weight or something that this is a red flag please get me help yeah um i speak with a lot of people in our community who 
the only way for us to be seen is to advocate for ourselves and do so much self-advocacy. But how do you do all that self-advocacy when you are hurting so much? Mm -hmm. And I think something that I could tell someone in, in my place is like, yes, you can advocate for yourself. Yes, like, you know, it's gonna be hard, but like, yes, you can ask for help. Like, fed up exists so that people can ask for help and get help from people who care and understand because we've also been through it and are going through it. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it comes to treatment, from what I hear from my community is how extremely gendered care is. Mm -hmm. And when I say gendered, I mean in the normative sense of two genders, mm -hmm. of we only have men and women, we only have a men's bathroom and a women's bathroom or men's locker room, women's locker room, and that's how we're separating. Right. Um, when I got to care, I was the only trans person, that was the first trans person they've ever dealt with. And they really didn't know, I didn't fit into like um, women or men and they really didn't know what to do with me. And so I kind of slept in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, but I know that ED care is, very white cis woman centered yeah and for trans people especially trans mask people trying to shed femininity from our bodies mm -hmm. it's makes it so toxic for us to be in those spaces and to be in those spaces where we are looking for care and we are not seen at all mm -hmm. by the clinicians. Yes. Oh, you bring up so many good points. Um, it's like the accessibility, right, is not inclusive. And then the treatment approaches are often not inclusive. Um, like when looking at the function of eating disorder behaviors, right, it's going to be different depending on our intersectionality. And we have to tailor treatment to the individual. And so I'm curious from your own experience, like, was that addressed? Like, was it, were you, did you receive care in a way that helped you get to like the function of the eating disorder and how it related to your trans identity? My help came from seeking a therapist who also identified as non-binary trans mask. Mm -hmm. um, they specialize in trans people and eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And through them, I'm, I'm receiving a lot of care, yeah. but it's very difficult and unaccessible and very unaffordable. Like I, I cannot afford it. I don't know very many people who can. And so that's, Part of the work that I do with that up is making sure that people can afford mm -hmm. help. Um, and we work with other organizations that do help financially with people seeking 
health and, and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, another thing I wanted to add to how inaccessible it is uh, for trans people to receive care is that we're not even very much at all included in research. Yes. So at the very start for awareness for clinicians, we're not even in the research. We're only maybe starting. The majority of trans people in research are white transgender children mm. that, and at, there's such a lack for me as a transgender adult, very little research. Yeah. Um, and that's where we need to start. And that's something that we do in Fed Up is we work a lot in research. We have a whole team that's working with research and researchers to make sure that we're a part, a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that research informs treatment and is part of the reason why these like gold standards of eating disorder treatment are not inclusive because the studies are not inclusive. Um, Yeah, that's really important work. I didn't know FedUp was doing research, but I'm so glad to hear that. And it Mm -hmm. reminds me kind of of like, you know, when talking about the self-advocacy piece, um, it's already so hard to go to a doctor or a medical professional and say, I think I'm struggling with X, Y, or Z, right? But then to have this fear that, it's not going to be safe for you to do that. It's just, it seems like such a huge, like devastating barrier and to not have that support from other people. Like, I mean, I'm so glad fed up's here and that you all are doing this support, but, but I'm just thinking before you all were here before fed up existed. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You, you want to hear another like crazy thing? Yes. If I had talked about my eating disorder before, oh, you know what? In a couple of days, I will be a year out from my top surgery. Mm-hmm. If I had talked about my eating disorder before then, I wouldn't have been allowed to have top surgery. Right. You can't have an eating disorder and have top surgery. You can't have top surgery if you're above a certain BMI level with most surgeons. That's another thing that like is on my agenda with Fed Up is compiling a list of surgeons who will perform surgery on people with a higher BMI, mm-hmm. you know, and and not make that a barrier. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I if I had asked for help, then I wouldn't have had help in other places. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to like um, how linked like the experience of gender dysphoria and the reason why you may engage in eating disorder behaviors. So if medical care is refusing surgery that will you know, validate your gender expression, well, of course you're still gonna use eating disorder behaviors. Yes. Gosh, thank you for sharing that. And the more 
the more and more I look into it myself for myself, I see how common of an experience it is because the first, if you are a trans person and you can't get care because most of us can't, you are going to do what is in your power to change your body. Mm -hmm. And that is 99% of the time going to be restriction mm -hmm. on eating, or it's going to be overeating if, mm -hmm. if, that, if you want to make your body more curvy mm -hmm. um, and restriction, if you want to make your body less curvy. Right. And that is where we hold control. Mm -hmm. um, and it's inevitable, like, I have this, it's not a joke, but I have this thing with my trans community. It's like, we all experience trauma. It's a very, like, very much just in our experience. We don't have to talk about it because we all know that we've been there. We all know that, like, we're hurt in some way because we live in this heteronormative world and, mm -hmm. you know, and so life is hard, but, like, all of that impacts how you eat mm -hmm. and how you have control over your body. And so eating disorders do affect trans people a lot. Yeah. A lot. It's not just me. Like it's a lot of people mm -hmm. and we're not asking for care because we're scared. We're, if we're asking for care, then we're not being heard or it's unaffordable. And then we get turned away. I had a, I had an intake six months ago. They told me I needed to be in the highest care that they could offer. When I told them that I couldn't afford it, I was never followed up with. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and that brings brings up bigger disparities of like financial disparities that trans folks often face and just yeah if, if you can even get into treatment then it's like is it even safe is it affirming but even to get to that place it's just yeah there's so many barriers yeah and I think the statistic is like um trans folks are 16 times more likely to have an eating disorder than cisgender folks so like why are we centering treatment on cisgender folks? Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah. What do you think are some of the things that you would like to see change in the eating disorder field to make it more inclusive and more safe? We have a lot of folks at FedUp working on um, trainings. And we will give those trainings out to different clinicians that will work with different facilities that we work with. Mm -hmm. And um, we hope that they learn from those trainings and that they teach others in the field what they've learned. Um, we also have a scorecard on our mm -hmm. website to inform um, people about other treatment like programs that um, 
you know, whether they, what bathrooms they have, what their sleeping situation is, if their staff are knowledgeable about transness, like, um, and I hope to see that that scorecard just like increases um, something that I work very dearly and closely on is a dietitian match program, which I match people with dietitians for low to zero cost. Um, and these people are not, they don't just hold the identity of transness, but the, the people that reach out to us are also of like so many intersections of other minorities that they request that as well. Let's say I'm working with a, a person who identifies as BIPOC and, I, and they don't feel comfortable talking to a white clinician. I need to find a BIPOC clinician who also knows about the trans experience. Mm -hmm. And I hope that my list of dietitians that I'm working with increases so I never have to be like, oh my God, I can't find anyone in Oklahoma or like someone's calling me from Ireland. I don't know anyone in Ireland, which is happening right now. I have to find mm -hmm. clinicians and or dietitians in Ireland and dietitians in like all around the world. I hope that I, we can create that list and same mm -hmm. with the list that I'm trying to make with surgeons. Yeah. I hope that we can have that resource available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really closing the gap or trying to minimize that gap in, ter in terms of barriers for trans folks finding eating disorder care. Yes. Um, I love that scorecard that you all put out. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm really curious and you don't have to share, but I'm curious like if you got any responses from treatment centers and like if it's maybe helping hold them more accountable, seeing that like people are keeping track of this. I hope so. I hope it's keeping them accountable. I personally am not working on that project. I just know it exists and I'm very happy for its existence, but so I don't know if we've gotten feedback, but I really hope that it's making a difference. I know that I've heard people talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so helpful like to have that as a resource because honestly, in many ways, it doesn't feel safe to send like to encourage one of my trans clients to seek a higher level of care because the experience itself can be so traumatizing and not affirming and not helpful. So knowing that that scorecard is there to reference is huge. Yes, yeah. Same with your dietitian match program. Um, I love that. And I'll send you a few dietitians that I know of in case you don't have them already. Amazing. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I definitely need that. We're scrambling. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely email you. One way that trans folks might seek to affirm their gender identity is through hormone therapy, right? Yes, yes. Can we talk a little bit about like maybe what some challenges might be in terms of someone being on hormone therapy and um, going through eating disorder recovery? Yeah, yeah. So there are several types of hormone replacement therapy. Uh, for me, I am on testosterone. I've been injecting testosterone for coming to uh, two years now. 
Mm -hmm. and um changes happen slow and they happen different for everyone um and a big part of the change for that a big part of the change that intersects with my eating disorder is my body weight distribution mm -hmm. um and for instance, and, and just growth in other parts, my shoulders, I got my shoulders measured from before testosterone to now, and my shoulders have grown a inch and a half apart. Okay. Um, and my legs got bigger, my body just got bigger. And I, uh, that definitely impacted the way that I looked at myself and saw saw the gain that was happening mm -hmm. um and i know that's really really hard for folks um who we put a, a really awesome thing fed up on on our instagram um about the differences between body dysmorphia and gender dysphoria mm -hmm. um gender dysphoria is how when i look in the mirror and my hips feel very, very weird and wide and curvy and like shows my femme side that I don't like, but body, body dysmorphia can, can also be something that cis people have so it's it, it's like not about it's not so much about the gender though right like exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I know when folks are trying to get to a healthy weight and maybe folks who have eating disorders are getting to a healthy weight they're going to look in the mirror and feel very just like just mm -hmm if if they've had top surgery and now they're seeing a little growth because they needed to gain weight mm. and it doesn't feel good like that's a horrible feeling mm -hmm. but then we have to remind ourselves like when cis people gain weight they gain a little tissue up there as well like mm -hmm. there, there are several things where we have to think above and beyond what we want out of our bodies Mm -hmm. because being on HRT like being on testosterone I've learned I don't have control of the changes like you can see I have a little stubble on my chin I wish that I had more mm -hmm. on my face I don't want it growing on my shoulders but I my roommate found like five on my shoulder like the <laughs> other day I'm like no no on the chin please like or mm -hmm. on the, I want a mustache but it's not there like you know, like uh, there are things I, I just can't pick and choose. Yeah. Um, Which is incredibly triggering for both the experience of gender dysphoria and having an eating disorder. Yes. Yeah. It makes so much sense. And it seems like it would be really important for providers to help distinguish between gender dysphoria and gender and, and I mean, sorry, between, yeah, gender dysphoria and body dysmorphia 
Yes. <laughs> um, it's like a, a tongue. I know. <laughs> um, we sell seashells. <laughs> yeah. Because when you were talking about it, it like occurred to me too that we might think, oh, okay, you know, my client is on hormone replacement therapy, so they they should be feeling better um, gender dysphoria wise, but then we might be totally missing the mark on the body dysmorphia piece because that doesn't mean like everything's just better. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's, that's the, that's the difference. That's mm -hmm. exactly it. And that's why it's so important to know that there's a difference. Yeah. So there's not, there's not one bandaid, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. So I guess for you, like, what is advice you would give someone that maybe is experiencing this point in their recovery where maybe they're feeling more affirmed in their gender, gender dysphoria is getting better, but they're having a lot more body dysmorphia. Yeah, yeah. Google us, that <laughs> up, that up, up collective, reach out to us. Like, yeah. we've got your back, like. Even, even if we don't know people in your area, we will do the work to find people in your area. Like we care, we care a lot. And like, I just, I know what it's like to go through it and feel so alone and feel like nobody cares about me and, and nobody's listening to me, but like there, there are people who will listen and like, like I said, like advocating is hard, but keep advocating. And when you can't advocate anymore, like ask for help and mm -hmm. have other people advocate on your behalf because you're worth it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so complex, right? <laughs> and in thinking of those like kind of cookie cutter recovery mottos, like your body's the least interesting thing about you or the least important thing about you. Well, I know. <laughs> it's like, you can say that, but like my body is my physical form. My body is what every people, like everyone sees me in. Mm -hmm. My body is how I express myself. Yeah. If, if I'm not feeling it in my body, I'm going to dye my hair. If I'm not, if I don't like what I'm seeing in the mirror, I'm going to get another tattoo and, and I'm gonna, my body is mine and it's, mm -hmm. you know. Right. And like, just and it's, as important. totally. And it, it, I think it really highlights the privilege that kind of the people that are mainstream in the ED field, right? Because sure, if you are cisgender, white, um, heterosexual, if you check all the privilege boxes, well, then maybe, yeah, your body is not so important to the rest of society. But if you hold a marginalized identity, it is important because we are being treated differently. We are facing oppression, systemic trauma. And so, of course, it's important. We have to acknowledge it. Yeah. Gosh, so much that needs to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But we're working on it. We're working on it and it's going to happen. Totally. So yeah. thank you so much, Sid, for taking the time to chat with us. And where could listeners find more about FedUp? Yeah, we have, let's see, we're on Facebook. I don't know much about Facebook, but I know we're there. We're on Instagram, <laughs> FedUp Collective. We have a website, um, our email. We got an email. Check it like every second of every day. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. And you have groups, right? And we have groups. Oh my God. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, Tuesday night, we have a, uh, let's see, Tuesday night, we have a peer group, um, peer led, just like for trans and intersex folks to speak on whatever you want to speak on. Um, it's amazing. And I know we have groups that are specific for BIPOC only. We have groups that are um, for folks in support of others who are going through eating disorders who identify as trans, non-binary, intersex. Um, yeah. Such an important resource. I've sent your group info to various clients and Amazing. so Thank grateful. You. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sid. It was wonderful talking with you. Yeah, thank you. Same here.